Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Would you stand one more time? You're incredible people. I want to preach to you today. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today, Pastor. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. I love you folks. I've got a word for you today. You may be seated. God bless. Thank you so, so very much. I'm speaking today. I'm taking a, I'm taking a little time off because of the day and the, and the, and the importance of this day. And I'm speaking today on a subject called No Unfinished Masterpieces. God bless you today. Amen. Everybody say, No Unfinished Masterpieces. I saw an advertisement promoting a performance by the Springfield Symphony. And the performance was called The Unfinished Masterpieces. My first reaction was how anything unfinished could be rightly termed a masterpiece. I did a little research and I found that the symphony would play such pieces as Mahler's Tenth Symphony and one of Mozart's Masses and Bach's The Art of Fuge and Schubert's The Eighth Symphony. And each was a masterpiece in the making when for some reason, for some reason, the composer just stopped. Now imagine you're sitting at Bass Hall and a symphony's playing and the rich full sounds fill the concert hall and then slowly, almost imperceptibly, At first, the music begins to diminish as a musical score ends for a single instrument, and then another one fades out, and then another one fades out, and finally it winds down to an unresolved conclusion. The masterpiece, which wasn't finished. That's kind of a scary phrase, a masterpiece that never got finished. Philippians 1 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I love when Paul wrote to the Philippians. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Everybody say he which hath begun will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. It is my prayer that in this building there would be no unfinished masterpieces. I want you to say it in your heart right now. I will finish strong. It's a common problem. It's a common situation. It's found in all vocations and all callings and all professions. It's not finishing what we started. Last summer, Patty and I were privileged to go to Barcelona, Spain, and we saw some of Gaudi's work there, a great, great, a great, great uh, designer, fabulous designer. But as fabulous as he was, he left two buildings unfinished in the city of Barcelona, Spain, and I saw them. The artist and the sculptor Michelangelo is credited with creating 44 statues in life. He only finished 14 of them. One Italian museum is dedicated totally to the unfinished works, the large chunks of marble with perhaps only a hand or perhaps a leg being finished. There are people who are authors 
But there's not a lot of finishers in life. From Kublai Khan, Samuel Coleridge, opium-induced epics, and to the Victorian novels left unfinished by the passing of Charles Dickens, writers many times fail to finish. And it is common to Christian writers as well. Thomas Aquinas, perhaps the brightest mind in the so-called Dark Ages, was so, so given that he could dictate two different books to two different scribes at one time. I have a hard time putting one sermon together. Yet at the close of his life, he wished to write the summation of all that he had learned in life. And he finished three of those volumes only to have this massive vision. He started writing about this vision, which reduced his other writings to straw. He said, everything that I've ever done before this vision is straw. And he perished shortly thereafter, never finishing the great work that the vision brought. When Jesus spoke, folks, people listened He fed their fondest hopes and he ministered to their deepest fears. And one of man's fondest hopes is to finish what he started. And one of his deepest fears is to fall short of the goal of what he asked for in life. The Lord said in Luke 14, for which of you intending to build a tower? Listen now, setteth not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. He began but wasn't able. One of the things that I, and and, and I don't live in fear, I really don't, because fear hath torment, but one of the things that bothers me is I fear unfinished business. As a pastor and as a minister for 46 years now, this this is my month of pastoral anniversary. In fact, yesterday, 46 years ago, I preached my first sermon. In Leveland, Texas, my first sermon, August 20. <laughs> wow, wow. Lord God, that was the one that I played God, you know. I said, God, if you don't save anybody, I'm going to quit. That was that message. And God told me, in no uncertain terms, you do the preaching, I'll do the saving. Just let me do my job, you do your job. But I fear unfinished business. Let a musician play a familiar piece of music. Then stop before the final note. All of heaven and earth seems to beg for that final note. For that that final chord to be struck. There's something about saying, we say finish it, finish it, finish it. Don't leave a work undone. Beethoven, one of the greatest writers, he was a a music vendor. Music just came out of Beethoven. And one day he was upstairs and he wrote all day long up till 2 o'clock in the morning. And he, he was so tired that he, he finished, he thought he finished a particular section of a, of a composition and he went downstairs and when he laid down, he realized that he had finished with a suspended chord. It wasn't a finished chord. It, it was suspended. It was like almost, it was a note before the finish. And he laid there for close to an hour and he said, should I go back up or should I stay here? And he couldn't sleep. And so he finally climbed the stairs and went up and wrote one more note, folks. He wrote a closing note to that portion of that composition and went downstairs and slept like a baby because it was called getting it finished. Perhaps you've witnessed this experience in your life. I have. I've witnessed it several times being a pastor, a person laying in bed and they're about to pass to the other world and you wonder what's, what's causing them to stay around. Why are they still here? What, why haven't they already passed on? Why haven't they? And there's something inside of them. They say hearing is the last thing that goes in a person's mind when they're about to die. 
And, and, and what are they waiting on? Why don't they just go ahead and slip the surly bonds of earth and reach out and kiss the face of God like the astronauts did several years ago? Why don't it just happen? But they're waiting on a voice, perhaps a voice of somebody to say, it's all right, Dad. It's okay, Mom. Go ahead and slip on. Go ahead. We're fine. We're going to be okay without you. And all of a sudden, when they hear that, that summation of, you finished, it's okay, go on. You've finished the work. You have fought a good fight. You've kept the faith. You've finished the course. Then all of a sudden, they slip from this life to the eternal. And why did this person linger? Because of unfinished business. Maybe they were waiting for an apology. Maybe they were waiting for somebody to come home. Maybe they were waiting for a child. Maybe they were waiting for somebody to say, I'm here, Dad. You can go now. I've seen you. We don't care for an unfinished song, a partially told tale, or an incomplete life. We feel that our lives will end like that. We will leave something undone, something unfinished. I was watching the Olympics this last couple of weeks, and to be honest with you, I kind of enjoy the Olympics. I got to tell you, I enjoy the Olympics. I like, I kind of say that I kind of L the Olympics. I kind of L. I like them, but I really do like them. Those track and field kids, that woman that run that tri- won that triathlete the other day, Jorgensen, was she a beast or what? She was that big, but she was a beast, and she just absolutely tore the competition up, won by 40 seconds. But one of the greatest stories that came out of the Olympics was two girls that were racing in some race, and one of them cramped up, or she failed, or something, something caused her to fall. And when this little American girl reached down to help her get up, she cramped up, and she couldn't get back up. So while helping her friend that had fallen get up, she cramped up, and the girl had to help her get up, and they both ran over the finish line together. I thought it was so neat. And, 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 and the little girl that was American said, the reason I helped her was because I'm a Christian, and, and God wants me to help people. It's, it's more important to help people than it is to finish, you know what I'm saying? But, but the beauty... Though, those girls were trained to finish. You don't, you don't start a race and not finish. You don't, you don't start something and not finish. And so they both finished. And then who could, who could, who could forget the four by 100? Those four wonderful girls that can just fly. Those girls can fly. They're awesome. They had the four by 100 meter race and, 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 and Brazil, they hosted a great, a great event down in Rio, but the Brazilians got over in our lane and caused our girls to drop the baton. But you know what happened? The only way that they would have, they, they appealed their, they appealed their conviction saying, let us run again because, because it was not our fault. We didn't drop the baton. But what they did, folks, they picked up the baton and finished the race, even though they were way far behind, because there's something inside of us that says, I've got to finish. And because they finished that, when they appealed their, their plight to the judges, the judges said, we're going to give you another race. So they put them on the course, put them on the track all by themselves. Did anybody see that besides me? Put them on the track all by themselves, and they were running against nothing but the time clock. And when they come around and finish, they were giving it all they had, and they beat everybody else's time. And then another night later, they won the gold medal. Hallelujah. Because something, there's something about people. That when they start something, when they start something, they want to finish it. They want to finish it. These kids that we just prayed for a while ago, you know what God's doing in their life already? He's starting something in them. He's beginning something in them. And we're going to applaud them 15 years from now, 20 years from now, because they're going to be leaders. They're going to be preachers. They're going to be attorneys. They're going to be people in power. They're going to be people that can change the world. And they got a birthplace right here at Christian Life. Somebody help me preach right now. God has begun something in their life. Hallelujah. I can't, I can't stand to drive by housing additions. And I used to travel a lot and I used to go to places and, and I'd see housing additions that were started 
and there's a foundation there and there's a slab and there's a wall and there's a partial roof and and then all of a sudden there's just a bunch of weeds growing around because somebody started and didn't finish and there was four or five six houses and and somebody said you can get a good deal on that you know you can go in there and, and build but who, who, who wants to go in there and do that because you don't know what's going to happen because everything around you is unfinished. It's just not good to be around unfinished situations. And many times, many times, I see people who come to church for a while and then they slip away and before you know it, they slip through the cracks and you don't know where they are. And you say, where have they been? And it's like the prodigal, they find a hog pen and they, they realize it's not good there. But I want to tell everybody that's kind of, kind of give up on your walk and kind of walked away from your walk. Let me tell you something. The day you walked out, the day you walked out of church, the day you left the kingdom of God, the Lord, the prodigal father, <laughs> almighty God, our heavenly father, he told, he told us, he said, go put a calf in the stall. We're getting it ready. And go down to the, to the cobbler and find some shoes and, and go to the seamstress and find a robe and, and go to the jeweler and find a ring. And we're going to save it because one day, one day, one day that child's going to come home. One day that person's going to turn around. I implore parents to understand this pastor today. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. You hear me? What God has started, he is able to complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I know we see through a glass darkly. To paraphrase something I recently read by Nobokov. I know that life feels like a series of footnotes to a vast, obscure, unfinished masterpiece. I know that we don't see all of life that there is. I believe that each of us, however, desire to see our life completed and whole and finished. You know, a lot of us, how many of y'all have ever made a, a bad decision? You ever made a bad decision? Now, I remember asking a girl out for a date. See, I didn't date a whole lot. I'm... I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about myself. Believe it or not, I was one of the shyest guys in high school. Very friendly, but shy. I could smile and speak, but if a girl came up, I just, I just broke out in a sweat. <laughs> That's a fact. I broke out in a sweat. I said, oh God, 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 oh God. Oh God, I wasn't, I wasn't one of those playboys. I really, I, I never have been. I wasn't one of them. Oh God, oh God, what's, oh God, what's she going to ask me? Oh God, oh God. But it, <laughs> It's an, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But I remember asking a girl out one time. And when I, I was taking her to a banquet. And, 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 and the banquet started at 6 and her daddy said, be home by 8. The sun's still up at 8. I want her home by 8. And, and when I went to pick her up, I saw her and I said, God, what did I see in her to invite her to be with me tonight. And the Lord said, I guess my kindness or something, I don't know. The girl didn't look nothing like what she looked like in school when I look at her and say, wow, how you doing? Praise the Lord. <laughs> and she knew, you know, sometimes you just make bad decisions. It's kind of, it's kind of like... It's kind of like that old boy I read about named Sam Phillips back in 1955 in Memphis, Tennessee. He sold, he sold RCA Victor Records, his exclusive contract to this guy that didn't have a, much of a voice and he wasn't quite sure if he was going to be successful or not by the name of Elvis Presley. He sold out. 
Or Jimmy Dean, the great sausage maker, turned down a song about a wooden Indian named Kalijah. And Charlie Pride comes along and the rest is history. He sung it for millenniums. Or the publishers, 17 publishers that turned down the book MASH for crying out loud. And MASH became a box office hit movie as well as a successful syndicated television show. Or how about this? In 1938, Action Comics introduced Superman in 1938. And its inventors, the creation of Joe Shuster and Jerry Siegel, and they believed that the money in their pocket was more valuable than the comic character, and they sold the rights. Are you ready for this? For $130. Sometimes you make mistakes. Or what about 1960? General Motors launched this new compact Chevrolet called Nova in Mexico. Some of you Hispanics already know why they went down. It would, sell, it would not sell even though it was an economical car. The reason is Nova means no go in Spanish. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all made bad decisions. We really, really have. We've made bad choices. But I want to tell you something. Anytime that you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, it's the greatest choice you've ever made in your life. Throw away RCA records. Throw away. Come on, come on. Throw away all that other stuff. Here's what I'm telling you. Jesus Christ is the greatest decision you ever made in your life. I said he's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. He's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. He's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is a, is a man named Zechariah. Or Zerubbabel, pardon me. He, his name means born in Babylon. And under the leadership of Cyrus, this man gained permission to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And he laid the foundation. But 17 years followed and there was nothing built on that temple. And God moved the prophet Zechariah to prophesy to Zerubbabel. And Zechariah said to him, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. And his hands shall also finish it. Here's what I want to tell you. When God starts something in your life. You may have some delays. You may have some moments that you think you're being denied. But whatever God starts, he is able to complete it in your life. Come on, pick up the baton, finish the race. Let's go forward. Let's see what God does in our lives. Second point I want to preach is God promises to help us with our unfinished business. He's going to help us. God will help us. He'll come alongside us. We start, we stop. We're like sheep, we stray. We start something, we get distracted. We get something moving, we lose interest. Then things don't go our way, we lose momentum. We dig a well like Isaac dug in Genesis, and it gets contentious, and we abandon it. We find an open door, but we see many adversaries. We decide to bring home the gold of Ophir, but our ships break it, Isaiah and Geber. Yeah, we lose interest. Setbacks and adversity cause us to abandon our pursuit and find paths of least resistance. Not so with God. What God starts, hear me. What God starts he finishes. What God starts, he finishes. And he said, I will not have any unfinished masterpieces. Look at yourself. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am God's masterpiece. And it doth not yet appear what I will be. But I know when he shall appear, I shall be like him. For I shall see him as he is. I'm trying to get you to preach to yourself right now. You are special in the sight of God. 
He's not going to cut you short. He's not going to cut you off. He's not going to stop your movement. He's going to keep you going in the right direction. Come on. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fracas. Come on. It's time to understand that God has no unfinished masterpieces in our lives. Everybody, everybody will finish. He made the earth in six days and he finished. He rested. Zerubbabel, no matter the delay, you'll finish. How? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, because God finishes what he starts. Let me quote a Philippians 1 and 6 again. Being confident, he is able, he that it began a good work in you is, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's able to keep that that he has given unto you. The third point I want to preach is simply this. When God is finished with us, we will be his masterpiece. We will be. We will be. Now, I want to, I want to be very strong here. I want to say something very strong. Those kids that we prayed for a while ago, they are, they are, they're my joy. I have a little boy in this church that's 10 years old. He's not mine, but he lost his father. He lost his dad to cancer about three years ago. The family lived up in another state. They lived in Illinois. The girl had been from here. The wife had been from here. And and this little boy was born to that marriage. And he's a precious little boy. And about five weeks ago, six weeks ago on the porch, he just walked up to me and had a little suit and tie on. He walked up to me and he said, you know, I don't have a daddy. Can I call you daddy? He was in second service today. And I said, yeah, you can, son, if you put Bo in front of it. Call me Bo daddy. And today, today, wow, today, I heard, Bo Daddy, (laughs) Bo Daddy, hollering across the parking lot. And I said, my kids are trained not to do that. (laughs) But here this little boy that had lost his father to cancer at 40 years of age, hollering at me. Oh, daddy. And he started, when I saw him, he started running and he grabbed me and he said, I'm here. Yeah, you are here, son. I'm so glad to see you. He said, well, I'm happier to see you than you are to see me. (laughs) And I said, hang around, son. I'm going to bless you. You know what he said? He said, I don't want to be blessed. I just want to spend some time with you, Bo daddy. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you think kids don't get a hold of your heart, try a child that's lost his father to cancer and he needs somebody to be his pop, needs somebody to be his daddy, his bow daddy. And I'm here because I want these kids to know next door that it doesn't matter what they face in life. It doesn't matter what comes against them. There is a God and there is a church that cares about them. They're masterpieces. And God does not have any unfinished masterpieces there's a little girl there's a little girl that comes to our church she's 15 now and every time she gets close to the porch she starts running she's 15 now but the day she was born her mother died the next day she caught a staph infection and died 
in the hospital. And the little girl was one day old and they named her Faith. And Faith has been coming to this church ever since. And I remember when she first started walking and first started getting big. She'd come up to me. She said, you know my name? I know your name. I'm Faith and I'm getting big. (laughs) And now she comes. Pardon me for just having personal illustrations here, but I'm talking about what's next door. I'm talking about these kids. I'm telling you, God is going to bless these kids all the days of their life. They're unfinished masterpieces right now, but God's going to keep them in their hand. And this Sunday, this Sunday she came, here she came and she said, you going to give me a hug or you going to let me give you one? I said, honey, give me a hug. 15-year-old girl just hugs me down and goes to her class. Here's the point. Here's the whole point. Somebody needs to understand that this church is more than just about me. It's more than just about you. It's about something that we're raising next door. It's about masterpieces that God's got his hand on those children. And they're walking into the future. And they're going to grow in stature. And they're going to grow in favor with God. In favor with the people. And God's hand's going to be on them. There's preachers over there right now. There's pastors over there right now. And God is going to finish what he started. Because this is a good God. And he will help us become the masterpiece that we need in our life. I found a little poem I thought I'd share it. I looked to see a helpless child who's weak and insecure. God sees a mighty saint with faith the strong and sure. I see a mountain in my path too high, too wide to span. God sees the tunnel going through according to his plan. I see the failures in my life that all the world can see. God sees my failures turned to gain, my loss to victory. I see the wild and stormy seas with waves that crash and roar. God sees a lighthouse guiding me and safety to his shore. I see small puzzle pieces of life's picture that I face. God sees the final masterpiece with each small piece in place. And although my earth dimmed eyes can't see the plan God has for me, I know he'll help me to be strong and win the victory. Hallelujah. God looks through our difficulties to see the end results. And he finishes things well. He finishes well. There's four little adjectives that I'd like to share with you today. That I think are God's adjectives for the church. The first is the word complete. Everybody say we're complete in him. Everybody say finished. Everybody say he's author and finisher of our faith. Everybody say restored. Everybody say perfected. That's what God is to us. We see ourselves as imperfect. God sees us as perfection. We see ourselves as unfinished and God says, I'm working on you. We see ourselves as hurt and God says, I see you restored. We see ourselves as incomplete and God says, no, no, no. You're complete because you have me. You're complete in Jesus Christ. You're complete in Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning when I got up, I, I knew I was going to come and I knew I was going to preach a little uniquely today. But I, I just want you all to know that when John saw the vision of heaven, he saw a, gate, a city filled with gates of pearl and streets of gold and walls of jasper and trees and river and a crystal sea. Everything John saw was finished. Everything was completed. And it's a picture of what God's going to make us when he comes and takes us out of here. You're going to be complete. 
Don't let hell charge you with incompleteness. Say, I'm in the hands of God and what he started in me. He's going to finish in me. Randy, if you'll help me. His name was Ole Bull, B-U-H-L. He was a great violinist. and He was playing in Carnegie Hall one night, and something unique happened that never happened before or since. Ole Bull was playing a, con- a, a composition, and whether it was humidity, I don't know what caused it, but one string on his violin broke. And it had happened before, but then something else happened that was so unbelievable. The second string broke, and then the third string broke. And every time a string broke, people would just go, like, oh, God, what's he going to do? They were embarrassed for him. They were embarrassed for him. But evidently, Ole was so prepared with what he was going to do if something like that happened that he looked around to to the director, and the director and him caught eyes because he saw standing there and Ole playing here, he saw that his strings had broken. And Ole evidently just nodded to him, and they... They made a transition. They changed keys. They changed keys of the song and played the song till the end on one string. On one string. On one string. And when he finished, Carnegie Hall went crazy. They stood and cheered for minutes. And Ole kept bowing and kept bowing and kept bowing. And finally, when he had a chance to address, he said, it's not about me. It's about the song that's in me that just has to come out and it has to finish. And folks, it's not about us. It's about the workmanship that he put in us. The poema were his song, were his song. And that song has got to come out. It's got to come out. It's got to come out. And he's going to finish his song. The lyric that he put in you the song that he placed in your soul is going to be sung to fruition. It's going to be finished in life because you are, you're not going to be an unfinished masterpiece. You're going to be finished. God's going to complete his work in your life. And that makes me feel so good today. So I'll be your Zachariah, Zerubbabel. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And God's going to help you through this life. And I encourage you today to understand that you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. And God completes his work in your life. Clap your hands and receive the word of the Lord today. And receive the word of the Lord today. There's three things that I try to do every day. I try to touch God. I try to touch somebody. And I try to leave awake. I try to leave awake everywhere I go. I try to leave awake of love and a little legacy. Because it's not when you end your life that you leave legacy. You leave legacy everywhere you go. If you're kind to a waitress. If, you, if you're kind to an old person. If you're kind... If you open a door for somebody, if you're just, just a Christian, you just want to leave a wake, just a wake of love. I, uh, I got to marry Daniel and Melissa last night, Melissa Martin, Daniel Wisniewski last night. 
And he's about 6'6". And I looked up. I said, I need a box. And she's tall. Beautiful people. And they walked in this door several months ago. And they realized this was not a usual church. They come in the door. And they've both been water baptized. And she has recently received the Holy Spirit baptism. And I, I was privileged to marry them yesterday. And I, I, I told them that their life was just beginning to get good because now they had God in their marriage. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And they said, Pastor, the last words they told me said, after honeymoon, we'll see you back in church. Because marriage is awesome. Marriage is wonderful. But there's something about the presence of God. And sharing it with your family. And sharing it with your children. There's something about it. God makes good our bad. He makes precious our mistakes. And there's something about the presence of God that's in this house here today. He does us well. Everybody raise your hands and say, God... Finish me, finish me in this life in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet all over the house and let's clap to the Lord and let's praise Him for His mighty, mighty word. Amen, amen, amen. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.